The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. It's a much quieter week around the Kansas City Chiefs after the chaos of trading Tyreek Hill last week. It's onward and upward, Chiefs fans. We've got plenty to discuss on today's episode. We're going to start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room. They've got some final thoughts on the Tyreek Hill trade and where this offense goes from here. That's going to be followed up by Chiefs Coast to Coast. They've also got some marinated takeaways on the Tyreek Hill trade, as well as some discussion around the signings of MVS and Rojo. After that, we're going to take a quick time out, and then when we get back, you'll hear from the editor's show. We had a special roundtable. I actually sat in on this one to discuss the Tyreek Hill trade and the future of the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll finish things up this week with Arrowhead Pride Draft Talk. Guys, did a four-round mock draft. We've got the first few picks of that. If you want to check out the entire thing, of course, you can find the episode on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. How are you just feeling about the Chiefs right now? What are you feeling right now? My my word is hopeful, um, maybe patient. Actually, I'm going to go with patient because Ooh, there we go. Um, right now, there's no denying it. If you look at the team, they are worse as they sit than they were in 2021 and really any year before that, that Mahomes has been the starter. But I also think that big picture, there is a path, maybe a couple paths to getting them in a position to being as good of an overall uh, all around team. Okay. Offense, defense, special teams as they've been in recent years. And there's going to be a lot of evolution involved with that, especially on offense. So, uh, my word, yes. Again, patience, and I, I hope fans will be as well, but you know how that goes. Yeah, um, I agree with that, Brian, and and I think it's just a new chapter. I think it's all just yes. time to, you know, that that phase, that that first initial burst of Mahomes' career is now over, and it's time to it's time for him to take on an even bigger role and be a bigger leader of this offense and, and see – how he develops without that star number one guy that he kind of came up with. And he still has Travis Kelsey still has his best friend, um, you know, and, and he still has a lot of good weapons around him. And 
and a good offensive line and a great coaching staff. So I just think it's the next phase. It, it is scary. It's it's unknown because we've, <laughs> we've seen this offense with Tyreek Hill and how good it can be with with those three. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this offense does evolve without peace, without that peace now in it. Yeah, well, no, when you said it's scary, that that laugh, you could tell how nervous, that nervous laughter. That's that's that uh, laughter going into a new phase. It is scary. It is scary. That's that was my initial reaction. It still is, man. It's just a fan in me. It's still just going to burn inside. Just not having Tyreek Hill, who I, I definitely believe one day will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I do I, I do get that, like, you know, probably the, the best years plays of his career are probably behind him. I mean, probably maybe the next two years will have some you know, two or three years, we'll have some great plays still, obviously. But Brian, that's where we're going to start here today is just, you know, everyone's broke it down. I mean, me and Stags broke it down, too, on the pod, uh, the uh, AP Draft Talk pod last week. Uh, Ron, the show, and BK had their breakdown. We actually had the emergency pod as well. They've all talked about the the logistics of it. We've all talked about why it happened, maybe. We all talked about, you know, do we regret it? Do the Chiefs regret it? All that. It's over, right? It's done. It's 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 gone. Let's start here with just talking about how it's going to affect them on the field, how Tyree Kill not being on this football team is going to look for the offense because a lot of their offense was built around having a guy that can do something else that no one else can do in the NFL. And Andy Reid exploited that all the time. I mean, we saw it and it led to some of those important plays, uh, obviously, for the Chiefs. But, you know, one thing I, I, I do think is, is we might see, you know, a, a change in the run game. Um, we might see a change in how they, they do drop back and pass, you know, how maybe defenses cover them. But first of all, like, I, I, I guess we can just start here. Um, Brian, I feel like you had a, a, you know, some a logical take because as a fan, I was I was, you know, I definitely was hurt by the Tyreek trade. But, you know, what is the you know, are you are you pretty confident that like, you know, the trade compensation is worth it and not having the cap space is worth it? like? Are you like I feel like you feel pretty good about it and 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 that makes me feel good but you know maybe just spread your optimism to the people about how you feel about the Tyreek trade. Sure, yeah. Um so let, let me try to sell you sell anybody who's listening who who definitely is down about it and I want to say I I am sad about it too because there's a lot of good memories and and plays that he made. They didn't they would not have won the Super Bowl without Tyreek. Um but the way I put this into perspective is when they drafted Tyreek, it was a lot like a, a lottery ticket, okay? A $2, $3 lottery ticket turned into millions, okay? They won big with him, and they got what I think also is a, is a Hall of Fame player. Um, but in this situation, whether it be by design or by accident, they did not just spend all that money that they got. You know, they didn't just spend all of the good return that they were immediately rewarded with by having that kind of player. And what they've done now is they, they've invested, you know, part of it. And they've invested it in their future, which involves Patrick Mahomes, hopefully for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, are those draft picks going to – are any of them going to be Tyreek? I'm going to say it right now, no. They're not going to get another Tyreek with that pick, any of them. Yeah. But the sum of them um, – the way that they're going to open up opportunities to make trades or the cap space. We, we already talked about a little there. Um, it's a chance for them to reset a little bit and, and get ready for another extenuated run because there's been discussion in the past. We, we don't want to see the chiefs become the Aaron Rodgers Packers or the Seahawks after they had their little run there. Well, both of those teams 
they were very you know adamant about re-signing older guys who had been there for a while and giving them third contracts and you know just kind of holding on and hoping um and this puts them in a spot where where that's for better or worse that's not going to happen uh they're going to stay young and probably stick to second contracts for the most part only and i think that gives them a chance to be you know a, a team that wins several Super Bowls in the next 10 to 15 years with Mahomes. So I'm okay with it, even if it does definitely hurt a little bit because he's a, he's a legend. man. Right. Yeah, no. And that's the thing. I, I, I agree with that. And, and that's something we all were kind of hinting at, at the start of free agency when we didn't really hear their names and anything like, Oh, are they maybe sacrificing 2022 for that long-term 10, 15 year stretch? I just didn't think it would come in the form of that. But when you do break it down, the contract, all that, you know, what the opportunity costs in terms of, you know, what you do save, you know, there is there is definitely some logic to it. But you let you alluded to it. It does change the offense. Right. And there are some things we've we've been seeing, too. And Talon's going to have something on our latest signing uh, that uh, for the offense. And that's running back Ronald Jones. I feel like that kind of does allude a little bit to also as well to how this offense could change. You know, Ronald Jones is kind of a downhill runner more. You'll talk more about it. It could, you know, it could lead to maybe less zone running, more gap running, duo running, which we've been calling for. Brian actually tweeted about that. Uh, we've been calling for uh, for a while. But Talon, you've been looking at him already. What does, do you think he can bring? Or how does maybe uh, the signing maybe change what you think about the Chiefs run offense? I really like the, the Jones signing. He's not an all-around back. He's not going to provide you everything you need. Um, but he provides something that they seem to be lacking last year, and that's explosiveness. And he seems to have an extra gear when he sees the hole developing. He, he has the patience to, to, to wait for it to develop. And as soon as he has that opening there, he has the gear to burst into it there and explode in the open field in the second level. And once he gets there, he's a tough runner, man. He, he'll run through arm tackles. So if there's defensive backs or linebackers that aren't, that aren't uh, stuffing the gap as hard as they should, Man, Ronald Jones will make him pay. And even if he does get tackled, he's going to get an extra yard or two just from his momentum and how tough he runs. So I'm looking forward to him giving a little bit of a spark to that um, to that group. And again, he's not going to – you shouldn't use him in, in the passing game much. He doesn't have the, the softest hands. He's, you know, <laughs> he's he just not trustworthy enough there to put him in situations. But um, I do like the signing, and I think he's going to be a really good running back and a, a really good secondary uh, to, to what the Chiefs want to do. Yeah, and and he was good with the Bucks, right? I mean, he had some good plays with them. I think Leonard Fournette came in and was a better ver version of what they wanted um, from Ronald Jones, which, hey, that happens. I think Fournette just offered a little more in the past game as well as being that still battering ram of a back. Um, but Ronald Jones can be, uh, you know, that tough back as well as be that explosive back. You said he had that 98-yard 90 yard run, the probably the best run of his career. Uh, Talon, you tweeted a, that out. But, no, the, the premise of this, though, is that, you know, we, we saw RPOs last year a lot. And, and that's what the Chiefs like to do in their run game where, you know, the running back maybe can't get as downhill or the lineman can't get as downhill as, as they want because it could be a pass and they can't they don't want to get that flag for getting down downhill. What the Bucks did in Tampa with using Ronald Jones was a lot of uh, duo blocking, which is basically, you know, a lot of double teams right at the uh, you know point of attack and inserting maybe a tight end, you know, inserting maybe a receiver to kind of maybe be a, an, a lead block or an ISO block on a, on a you know, particular player. And that's the thing. We've seen some moves where, you know, we talk about Juju. Uh, we talk about Marque Marquez Valdez-Scantling maybe being some guys that can block. We're also seeing the tight end position kind of get filled up too. Blake Bell is back now too. That's one we got to mention. And they liked Jody Fortson last year, obviously. He, got, he had a big role as long as, as, as well as Noah Gray. Um, 
Brian, like, I, I is this a, just like a kind of a relief for you that they're kind of going this way? Um, or, or I don't know, what do you think? Because this could lead to maybe some, you know, the passing offense maybe not being as threatening or just as voluminous. And I don't know, it is just kind of weird when you're Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, right? Uh, you know, maybe not uh, relying on the pass as much, but uh, do you think it could, you know, do you think it could have some benefits um, for, for kind of relying on it? You just hope that it's a good sign of, of um, really good coaching and, and making these changes because with a weapon like Hill going out the door, uh, you, you can't just run your offense as if he was still there. Things have to change. Really, they needed to change a little bit whether he was there or not. Um, and so, in a way, Mahomes is taking on more pressure now that his best receiver is gone. But yeah. you can alleviate some of that by um, you know, changing these schemes a little bit to fit the offensive line better. And you do start to wonder if that's what's going on. Um, given what they put on tape last year, the things we broke down, and also some of these new names that they've brought into the building it's kind of setting them up to be a little more diverse and maybe to go game by game and, and play an opponent in a way that best suits just beating that, that team. Marquez Valdez Scantling, who is the newest chiefs wide out. Uh, he comes over in a very team friendly deal. I believe it was reported as three years, but now there might be clauses where Casey can get out after year one and year two. But regardless of the fact he comes in new number 11 for Kansas city Said it was tough to turn down playing with Aaron Rodgers, but now has a chance to play with Patrick Mahomes. As soon as he touched down in KC, first person he heard from was number 15 about how bad he wanted him here in KC and how excited he was to get to work. My first question to you on MVS, do you see him having a Tyreek-style role? Kinda. <laughs> that was a very loaded question there, Aaron. Um, that was a cop-out answer, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, because I don't want to say, yeah, man, you know, it's like, obviously, he's not even close to Tyreek Hill. We know that. And I'm not quite sure exactly how they're going to use McColl, because McColl actually is probably more of a Tyreek Hill style, as far as, you know, the size and the speed. And I know MVS is very fast as well, but he's a big body receiver, too. But I think with MVS... You can kind of throw him anywhere. Like, you can kind of throw him in the slot. He can play in the outside as well because he's a 6'4". And the contract, to me, was an absolute steal. I mean, people were freaking out when they saw the three years, $30 million at first. But you have to wait to see how it's structured. We know these NFL contracts can be very, very tricky and, uh, you know, kind of nerdy in a way, right? So I think, essentially, he's probably going to be here for two years, I would say. On about 18 million. So I mean, that's a steal. That's an absolute steal. And I know if you look at his numbers in Green Bay, they're not too attractive, and I get it. But if you really watch Packers games and really analyze it, he wasn't used correctly there. And also Aaron Rodgers has a tendency to kind of zero in on Devontae Adams because he doesn't fully trust his other receivers. I mean, you saw in the playoff game against the Niners. There was plenty of occasions where guys were wide open, but he was still trying to force feed it to Devontae Adams. So I think in this system, especially now when you don't have a true number one as of today, now we're gonna talk about it, we're gonna talk about this a little bit later, but that could change depending on a trade that may happen. But as of right now, it's kind of a wide receiver by committee. And I think that's gonna make Patrick Mahomes a better quarterback because now he doesn't have to worry about trying to force feed somebody. 
he can try to spread the wealth a little bit. So I, I like the move in general, especially at that price. Yeah, you talked about a guy not trusting his receivers. Uh, I, I've said on this podcast a few times, I feel like 15 needs to be a little bit more comfortable with his weapons, and uh, maybe this is the move that helps him do so. Uh, MVS kind of touched on him talking to Mahomes and, and, and them wanting to work together in the offseason, so hopefully they start the ground running with some chemistry. Uh, this is the contract breakdown from Spotrack, uh, about $8.5 million guaranteed at signing, uh, 6.4 next March. Cap hits of 4.8, 11 million, and 14 across the deal. Uh, MVS, Juju, Hardman, and Gordon combined for only 13 million of the cap this year. I mean, the wizardry that, that Brett Beach pulled off with not only getting this unit younger, uh, but getting them exponentially cheaper. I mean, you're talking about Tyree Kill, who was asking for 30 million to get your combination of your guys here, and you're not done yet. We, we touched on that. To get the combination of those four at only thirteen million of the cap this year, uh, it, it it works on paper. We'll see if it works in the field. I think MVS is a guy who um, comes in with a chip on his shoulder too. I mean, you you touched on him not being used correctly. Um, this is a place where there's there's plenty on the table for him to eat, uh, and there's plenty of opportunity for him to grow. I, I I do see him as a down like down the threat field down the field threat. Damn, I can't talk today uh, as well. And um, we'll see. Uh, younger and cheaper was the goal, and you can't argue with the numbers, Mark. Yeah, 100%. And this move to me, and this ties in with the whole Tyreek trade and just getting guys like MVS, it tells me that Brett Veach and Andy Reid, and they're right. They believe that everything around Mahomes doesn't have to be perfect. Because he is that good. He's going to make other guys better. And here's a stat for you, Aaron. You may have seen it on Chiefs Twitter. I'm not sure. You may have seen it, Aaron, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. In five games without Tyreek Hill, did you know Mahomes is 4-1? and one? And catch this. In those games, on average, yards per game, 372 yards per game in those five games without Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs offense will be fine, guys. Relax. Are you saying Tyree Kill is a system wide receiver? Is that that's basically what I just heard from you? Oh my gosh. You love to spin stuff. That's basically you, all. You love to spin my words and make it so dramatic. No, I'm not saying that. Tyree Kill is one of one. He's generational. We're not doing that, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> One I can't more, stand you, man. <laughs> one more quote from MBS before we move on to another signing that things going to make impacts on Sunday. And I appreciate y'all rocking with us here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. We're in Twitter spaces on Tuesdays on the podcast app on Wednesdays. Uh, I, I hear y'all. I see y'all reaching out to us and encouraging us, man. It's, it's been great here in the offseason. MBS kind of had he had his uh, official uh, intro introductory press conference on Zoom. And, and one quote that stood out to me, I tweeted it out. Quote, I turned down a bunch of other deals for other more for more money because I didn't want to go lose. It's not always about the money. And, and a lot of people took that as a jab, especially with the way Tyreek left. And I didn't really see it that way. To me, I, I saw it kind of speaking to what to what you spoke on just a few minutes ago. It's not always going to be rosy, but as long as 15 is here, there's going to be guys that want to come play in Kansas City. And, and, and there's going to be guys that want to take less. I know Tyreek Hill went and, and got the biggest contract in NFL history for a wide receiver. 
that's cool and, and and well, that's that's an outlier in one situation. For every Tyree Kill, there's going to be two or three MVSs that uh, that want to line up and come play in the city of Fountains, and this is a perfect example. Yeah, 100%, man. And also to your point about guys wanting to come here, the Chiefs are going to be one of those franchises, as long as Patrick Mahomes is here, where guys will come here on a one-year deal just to increase their stock and probably leave after one year, right? Because the Chiefs are obviously a very pass-happy system. Like Juju, for instance. Yep. Like, I think Juju, there's a real chance that if he goes crazy this year and looks like the Juju that we saw those first couple years, where his price is going to go up so much, where he may not resign. He may not. But that's okay because you'll get another guy like that next year. That's on a one-year prove-it deal type of situation, right? So I think the Chiefs will get these guys a lot where they kind of rotate in and out, having these guys come here just to increase their their uh, dollar value, just to get the most they can and then vote after one year, unless the Chiefs are willing to pay them. But, you know, there's going to be circumstances where that's not the case. So, yeah, I think this is a great situation because it also allows you flexibility. Because now you don't have to lock into these long-term contracts so much where you can get these guys on these cheap one-year deals and you know they're motivated because they want to prove themselves. So the lack of motivation is not there because they want to get that bag, especially with the new TV deals coming into play next year and the salary cap, salary cap skyrocketing after next season. So these deals that we see now, and I know you said $20 million or whatever for a wide receiver seems like a lot. That's going to become the norm, Aaron. Like $20 million for a receiver is actually going to be like a bargain because with the salary cap rising year after year after year, that's going to be a steal. So I can see why the Chiefs may be looking to trade for one of these guys that are looking for an extension because if you lock them in right now, two or three years from now, a $22 million per year contract is going to be absolute steal for somebody that's 24, 25, coming off the rookie deal right now. Yeah, I don't know, and, and we're going a little long on this topic, but there's a couple of things I want to I want to push back on. You have been a big proponent of, hey, yo, just check in on DK, bro. Just see, just see what he's up to. You know, like it, it, it's no hurting that. I think that puts Kansas City right back in the position that they just got out of. You know, DK's going to want an extension. You know, he's going to want to be one of the highest paid players at his position, and it's going to be a, a a carbon copy of what you just did with Tyreek Hill. Nah, I, I disagree because you got to think about it, Aaron. If you trade for him right now, they're gonna they're gonna negotiate an extension with the trade. So there's no way DK at this moment could demand more than what 22, 23 million a year. And he's only and he's only 24 years old. That's the difference. With Tyreek Hill is 28. So if you can get DK in a 22 per 22 million per year contract right now, he's only 24 years old. And with the salary cap rising next year, everybody was talking about the new TV deals. That's a steal. That's way different than thirty million a year. We just we just said how eight and nine million is a big difference. So I definitely disagree with that. GM Gunnels in the mix. Uh, let's move on because we're gonna agree to disagree. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that for an hour. We're gonna talk <laughs> about wide receivers until training camp. Lord of mercy. Let's talk about running back Ronald Jones in the fold. Now he comes over on, on a one year deal. The Texas Tesla. I didn't know that was his nickname, but man, it's a, it's a hell of a nickname for Rojo there. He comes over, said he was happy to be here. Uh, I listened to a little bit of his introductory press conference, said, yo, in Andy Reid's system, everybody's going to eat. 
he's happy to be here. He's watched Clyde Edwards-Alaire from afar uh, and sees them working well together, yin and yang. And I think that this really fills in well for that Daryl Williams role. I mean, he, I mean, if you close your eyes and squint hard enough from the Arrowhead press box, you might think in the jersey that Daryl Williams and, and Ronald Jones are the same person. I think this is an explosive back, change of pace back, somebody that you, they can utilize in the pass game as well. I just really like the fit here. When when he was when he was uh when he was rumored to be poking around KC, I really liked it then, and I, and I like it even better now that it's official. Now that the week has passed, uh, I'll I'll dive back into the marinated part of this. How are you feeling <laughs> uh, about this this hill trade? Well, I think one of the problems that you have when you're an NFL general manager is that you have star players, and nobody wants to move on from a star player. And what often happens is that you wait too long and you're not able to get anything in return for the player uh, because he's he's gone past his point of no return. This is what people say that Bill Belichick has been really good at during his career with the Patriots of knowing exactly the right moment to step away from a player. Now, whether that moment is now with Tyreek Hill, we don't know. Could be, it might not be. However, this is probably the most the Chiefs could have gotten for him in trade. And so you have to respect the possibility that the Chiefs uh, probably got the, the most compensation they could for a star player who's going to be missed. Let's not, let's not mince words here. He's going to be missed in the Kansas City offense but as you noted at the top of the show, Pete, it may be that we're going to see a different kind of Kansas City offense, and maybe Tyree Kill wouldn't have been that big a part of it. Yeah, I want to read this quote from Andy Reid. Andy Reid was at the owners' meetings, and they had the coaches' breakfast, and he essentially said, I love Tyreek. There was no rift with me and Tyreek. We tried to sign him at a certain cost. You can handle it any way you handle it. We handled it the way we did there. We felt like Tyreek deserved an opportunity. We came in aggressive, and then we got after the point. We just said, hey, listen, in this day and age, you have issues that you have to deal with the caps. So we felt like it was better to allow him to go ahead and be traded. You can go different routes. You can play hardball with the player and do that. Or you can go about it the way I did, or he should say we did. <laughs> kind of with a grand reveal there that uh, he is making some, some final decisions here. But uh, again, he continued, listen, the cap never gets far away from your thought process because you're always dealing with it. So Brad has got to sit there and manage that with his guys. And if you, want to keep consistency throughout the years you've got to be able to do that and stay at a high level and uh, again the chiefs really saying and trying to express they tried and they the big thing with this regime that i think the previous regime got away from was just maintaining flexibility to make moves every off season and mm -hmm. i think it got to a certain point where they weren't going to let hill dictate their lack right or their amount of flexibility and they decided to move on steve i'll go to you now now that the week has passed how are how are you feeling about the tyree kill trade i think that i feel better about it now than i did a week ago and i still stand by the fact that this is closing the window on that chief's dynasty it doesn't mean that they aren't building towards a new mm -hmm. dynasty and right. that's something that I've kind of gone back and forth with some Chiefs fans on Twitter over the last week or so is, oh, you're overreacting. He's a wide receiver. What wide receivers win super win you Super Bowl single-handedly? Like, we've got Patrick Mahomes. We're fine. I agree with all of that stuff. But Tyreek Hill is still 
one of the biggest difference makers at his position in the NFL, who was on a hall of fame trajectory. And when you look at their super bowl winning team, and now it's basically down to like Mahomes, Kelsey and Jones and Frank Clark, like, Mm -hmm. and that's it on the roster. That means that they're going in a different direction. Now you have to have faith in what they're trying to do. And, you guys already talked about the numbers on Juju and MVS, and those are very, very team-friendly deals that you can just get out of if, whenever you need to. And hopefully they are going to draft a young wide receiver, and hopefully that wide receiver is an impact player, and hopefully Brett Beach hits on a lot of these draft picks. I don't think the Chiefs are going to pick 12 players. I, I think that that is ammunition to move up, and that's what I'd like to see them do. Now, it's a, those are all good points, and yeah. this was – what I, I discussed as well in the article that I put up that, you know, we shouldn't forget who plays quarterback for the chiefs. And I want to mention Brandon Kiley, one of our podcast contributors on show NBK, and he's, he's done a number of really good articles for us on Ironhead pride uh, this off season. He's kind of a, alluded to the fact that in the Tom Brady Patriots thing, there were different versions of the team, right? Mm-hmm. They were defense yeah. first. Then they leaned into the Randy Moss era. There was the, too tight end uh, thing that they were trying to repeat now, I think, with Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. As, as they're trying to, I think, lean back into some of those uh, teams. But what I'd say is there's different versions and there's different ways to win in the NFL. And to be fair, the, the league got used to the Chiefs doing what they did with the Legion of Zoom. Sorry to our, our mm-hmm. guy, Brad Simcox. We, we know you got the <laughs> trademark. But the Legion of Zoom is dead. That's, that's real, right? Uh, the Legion of Zoom is dead. And the Chiefs are leaning into a good offensive line. They're leaning into bigger receivers. They're leaning into, let's get a running back in here that if you want to continue to drop eight against us, and maybe you will because MVS is going to be downfield waving his hands, then we're going to run it down your throat to Ronald Jones. And so they're, I think that they said to themselves, we're not going to sacrifice our future to bring this one guy in and then be really bad on defense. Or we're not going to be, we're not going to sign Tyree Kill. And then eventually, you know, lose what could be Kelsey or what, you know, eventually you're going to have to sign these offensive linemen that are, are have been really good for you. So, no, we're going to maintain and continue to be really good as a team. And like Andy Reid said, I'm the greatest offensive play caller of all time. Let's this. Is, these are the receivers we need to bring in. I think they have a plan there to bring in another receiver. We've talked about that. I think they're going to be developing Jody Fortson and Noah Gray. And it's just going to be a different looking team. They're going to do it differently. And that's been getting around the league. You've seen Mike Giardi of, I believe he works for NFL Network or ESPN. I'm forgetting where he works, but he has kind of said, there's this feeling around the league. And I I don't want to describe it as fear uh, because he didn't say that, but it's, there's a buzz that the chiefs are going to look a lot different. And if you think back to 2018, Nobody could stop anybody. It actually took four years for the for there to really be yeah. a consistent stretch of more than like two weeks where y- the Chiefs look looked a little bit beatable, right? And uh, unfortunately for Kansas City, the, the that aspect reared its ugly head when uh, they played the AFC title game in the second half. The, some of the struggles early on, and it ended up costing their season. But maybe they recognized that too and said, "Why are we going to pay into something?" Maybe defenses have figured out and i think this comes down to 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 three things here and i said it was beach he's betting on himself and his staff to nail these picks the five picks they acquired in the nfl draft one of them 
Now you can spend at edge. You can you can get an you need right now you need a you need a premium player at edge and you need another premium receiver. And you could accomplish that when you have 12 picks in the NFL draft. They've been really good on day two and day three as well. And we we talk about Legarius Sneed. He came on, on day three. Not that you're always gonna uh, nail that, but a lot of these guys came on day two in the second round with with Creed Humphrey and Nick Bolton. They've done a really nice job in recent memory of reacting and evaluating and making sure that they get players at this position. Again, they're trusting Andy Reid. You know, you think about the Chiefs offense. Let me read these targets for you. Tyree Kill last year, 159 targets. Byron Pringle, 60. And Demarcus Robinson, 41. So Pringle and Robinson, 101 targets. Tyree Kill, 159. Quick math tells me that's 260. Where are those 260 targets going? What film is there out there to mm-hmm. tell you who to defend on which play? Right. There is none. There's right. none. So that's, uh, to me, an advantage for Andy Reid. And then it's Patrick Mahomes. I think because of the struggles last year, and particularly the AFC title game, people have forgotten just how good this kid is. And especially when there is that Andy Reid unpredictable, unpredictability factor. It unlocks Mahomes. And if you give Mahomes a slight advantage, and especially, again, if you can shore up the right side of this offensive line, Orlando Brown needs to play a little bit better at, at left tack. We're still waiting on the, the Orlando Brown contract. But I think you see a hungry Mahomes. We know that Mahomes watches all these dumb shows where they, they say the Chiefs are done. <laughs> it's going to be ultra motivating for him in the offseason. And I think there is a there is an look, the shock of the trade is tough because Tyreek Hill is sure. a beloved player. There's nobody right. like him in the NFL. But there is an angle here where the Chiefs actually win more games because mm-hmm. they change the way they win. Uh, than they might have with Tyree Kill. And if you can save that money and, and be able to spend $70 million worth of cap over the next, what, three years that, he, that he's in Miami, then it's you start to understand where the Chiefs are coming from. We're still seeing what they're going to add here to replace Hill. But I, I think, John, there's, there's something where you could say, I get it, you know, and it's hard at first because you're like, they're trading Hill to the Dolphins? Right. What? Right. But you really think about it. And you're, you you got to stay patient as a fan, which is, at times is tough. I, I understand that. But this may be a better offense than it was last year. And I would actually bet on it. I, I would bet on it, even, oh. even not having seen the future moves to come before the, the season begins. Well, it's certainly true that trading Tyreek Hill wasn't on my list of top 100 things that might happen this offseason. So, right. yes, it's difficult to take. Of course it is. You know, the plays that he and Mahomes have made together have been super special. And it's possible we we may never see anything like them again. But as you said, there's a lot of ways to win in the NFL. And it may be that the Chiefs would like to try a different one for a while because the the opposing defenses have, uh, you know, been working on ways to stop an, an offense that they couldn't stop in Mahomes first year. I think that's an excellent point, Pete, that, that it's taken all this time for these defenses to get it figured out where they actually had a chance to beat the chiefs and still didn't most of the time, you know, I mean, even, even some of the losses in the uh, 2021 season were because of turnovers, right? You know, that the defenses just put themselves in a position that they could win if they had some luck go their way. And the Chiefs still won most of those games. Unfortunately, not when it most mattered against the Bengals. I think the Bengals certainly showed that that, that they could figure out how to beat the Chiefs. And so now the Chiefs have to figure out how to way to keep from being beaten. And that's what they're doing. Oh, Steve, Steve, anything else? 
I think that Chiefs fans should take a lot of comfort in the self-awareness that they have shown mm-hmm. over yeah. the last couple of weeks because we knew that they were trying to work out a long-term thing with Tyreek Hill, and then once this fell apart, it was, okay, we're we're shifting, and they did mm-hmm. it fast. And right. now it's, okay, now we got to rebuild this thing for the future. And there's a lot of teams that don't do that. They try to right. keep the window alive for as long as possible. Like in, in recent years, we've seen the Atlanta Falcons. They went to one Super Bowl, lost, and right. they way overpaid, and they are in cap hell right now to the point where they just traded Matt Ryan and ate the biggest dead money cap hit <laughs> in NFL history. Yeah, and crazy. The, the New Orleans Saints are in a similar fashion. I'm kind of picking on the NFC South, but that's what I'm grabbing off the top of my head right now where you know they had a Super Bowl caliber roster and they weren't able to make another Super Bowl with Sean Payton and Drew Brees but they kept trying to extend it, trying to extend it, trying Mm -hmm. to extend it and pushing all their cap to the future. And now they have no money and they're in a bad situation. And their roster is one of the worst rosters in the NFL when it comes to like key playmaking contributors, Mm -hmm. the chiefs saw an opportunity to blow this thing up and rebuild for the future. And I think that that's something you have to feel good about when you look back on all of this stuff. That's a great point, Steve. Yeah, that's great. Because franchises have soft rebuilds and transitional rebuilds all the time. The bad franchises need to strip everything down and redo everything because they've gotten themselves (laughs) in a position where they can't move. And the Chiefs, I think, realize what they have in Patrick Mahomes, and I think that's why they made the tough decision to trade Tyree Kilt. Now, let's put on our Veach caps. We are in Brett Veach mode. We are doing, you know, that's the thing. GMs do this kind of stuff where they run these simulated mock drafts because they really need to see, they really need to know who could fall there, what the situations could be. And that's exactly what's going to happen tonight. And to start it off, we're going to go ahead and get into it. So we we both ran separate mock drafts. So our, the boards could fall different ways. We're going to kind of talk through maybe, especially with these first picks, kind of talk through how the board fell, how it affected our mindset. But how about, let's start with this first town. And I'll throw it to you here. Before the draft even started, before the first pick was even made, what were you kind of thinking or what positions did you kind of want to see uh, end up at 29 and 30? What positions are you really hammering home uh, you want it to be the first picks in the draft this year? Man, I think you got to think defensive end. If, if there's an edge rusher that is, is worthy of a first-round pick or even a job if he falls, um, but edge rusher or wide receiver, I think you could find a playmaker there at each position. Um, for me personally, I was really hoping that I would find a defensive end at 29. Um, unfortunately, I didn't. Um, but, but what I did find was a defender from Michigan. I was hoping David Ajabo was going to fall, but he, he he was snatched up at 25 by Buffalo, um, unfortunately. So I, I took Daxton Hill. And and what I the reasoning for that was I, I, I think Hill is still that Swiss Army knife kind of guy where he can be played everywhere uh in the secondary i think he could play a full-time corner if you really got in the, into a situation where you needed a cornerback put him there he'll, he'll be just fine um but for the chiefs purposes bring him in you got thornhill and reed as your two guys in the back end um i think hill could probably push for for time in this, as a slot defender um and i do think you would push one thornhill for time as a as a full-time starting safety and then you know we saw thornhill be benched before and um kind of seem to be and not in the greatest graces of the coaching staff. So if you get a guy like Daxon Hill and, and Juan Thornhill decides to hit free agency later, 
um, you know, after 2022. Then you have Daxon Hill and Justin Reed as your two starting safeties, and I think that's a pretty good pairing. I agree. I definitely agree. I want I want to hear though, maybe what were some of the edge rushers or just some of the uh receivers on the board that you were considering maybe um but ultimately daxon hill was the better pick then or, or i just kind of want to hear some of the names that you are considering uh daxon hill over uh at those positions that you talked about right off the bat yeah so the two that were really uh sitting there for edge rusher was boyd moffa and arnold ebiketti um and and really for those two i just don't think either one is a round one grade i like them both but i think those are guys that you take in the second round if if, if you think you want to trade up from 50 into that early 30 range that's an option for those guys. I don't think they're a true option for 29 or 30. Um, and then wide receiver, there was Jahan Dotson sitting there. I thought about him. Um, uh, Kyer Elam went at 26. I know he's kind of been tossed around. I, that's another guy that I don't think I would feel comfortable with in the first round. I think that would be another second round possibility. Um, first round is a little too rich for my taste for Kyer Elam. Um, but weighing all the options and what these guys brought to the table, I, I felt more comfortable that Daxon Hill was going to be um, not only 2021 or 2022 impact, but really uh, for, for an entire career. Yeah. No, that's the thing. When And, and, and I've talked about it in my Lewis Seen article, but we talk about safety in the short term sometimes. Like, oh, hey, they patched it up. They got Dion Bush. They, you know, Juan Thornhill's still here. Well, if you look in the future, uh, Justin Rude's the only safety under contract after this season. So it is definitely still a position, and we know they value it. We know that Spagnolo defense loves to have good safety play. And so I do think it's a strong possibility we, we see them take a safety that high. You went there, Mr. Brett Veach. Um, but I, I, on my end here, I got the lucky side of it where you were trying to go. David Ojabo did fall to me. And, and, and I will say in reality, it does seem like this is it, it's going to happen where Ojabo falls, at least in the range, right? Uh, I guess he fell in that range to you. You know, 25 is still within the range where they could trade up and get him realistically if they really wanted to. But... Man, I really like the thought of getting David Ojabo if you're the Chiefs. First of all, in this Patrick Mahomes world, you are never going to be in a position to pick this talented level of edge rusher, you know, when he's healthy or whatever, because you're just never going to be that high in the draft. Guys like this do not fall to you at the bottom of the first round unless they have a injury at their pro day, which sucks. And it is going to obviously limit his, you know, impact on the team right away. But you got. But again, going back to just the talent he has, you're just not finding guys like that. The Chiefs have not invested in the defensive line with high round talent in a while. Last time they did, it was Breland Speaks, and we know how that turned out. But the time before that, it was Chris Jones, and we know how that turned out. So it's just, it, it's one of those things where I, 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 it makes too much sense to me. I'm really glad he fell here because I think it's a no brainer. Um, for the Chiefs, you know, we, we this offseason they're thinking a lot about the long term instead of the short term. I think this is a great way to continue to to do that theme. Um, but let me go to 30 real quick and then I'll throw it back to you to get your pick at 30 because we got back to back picks here. And so we you talk about receiver. I'm in the same boat, man. I, I think receiver is a really strong possibility. Um in the first round. I had an interesting dilemma, man. I I uh, there was a run at receivers right before me, which I I was a little salty with. I, I do say, you know, Jahan Dotson and Chris Olave would have been strong considerations for me. Um, both guys that that really fit that Z type, um, that really give them that speed element, that separation element um, that they may not have in their receivers right now. They have a lot of bigger guys right now. You know, Juju MBS are guys that you know MBS has speed, obviously, but anyway. Those guys are not on the board. They were taken right before my pick. And this is, a, and, and oh, I should say, the one guy that was on the board 
that might be surprising, but we might have to get used to it. It's Traylon Burks, a receiver from Arkansas. It does seem like he's he's kind of slipping a little bit on draft boards and mock drafts. Um, you know, I I like the player. I I I do think he could be worth the first round pick, especially at this point, but I did not go him. I instead went with Sky Moore, the receiver from Western Michigan, over Traylon Burks at pick 30. You know, Sky Moore is a guy that, you know, obviously is a, a, a smaller name, not as, as, as big time a name, but he's rising up draft boards for a reason, man. He is electric. He's explosive for his size. He's a guy that's really going to, you know, he can create separation, like I said. And yeah, I, I, I like the element of getting a guy like that rather than maybe a bigger body guy again. It kind of just goes along with, you know, what MBS is, what Juju Smith-Schuster is. I want a guy that may, might be a little better at creating separation, that long speed, that deep speed. And in the short area, too. So all that to say, I went Ojabo and Sky Moore with my 29 and 30. Any reactions to those, first of all, Talon? And also, I want you to get into who you went with pick at pick 30. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on Traylon Burks uh, off the bat because yeah. he was on the board for me as well. He ended up going 34 to the Lions. Um, but I think where value in like Drake London or Traylon Burks falls uh, for the Chiefs is, is if Tyreek Hill was still in house. I think you bring a guy like that in, pair him with a Tyreek Hill, it's a different ball game. But when you bring him in with the with the wide receiver room that's in-house now without Tyreek Hill, it just doesn't fit, doesn't make sense. And and to me, it's not as impactful as it would have been. Um, so I did go receiver. I, I I do like Jahan Dawson, and I will and I mentioned it at pick 29, he was on the board. Um, but I did go with a different receiver, Christian Watson, North Dakota State. Uh-huh. A little bit more athletic, um, a little bit less proven than Dotson. Dotson obviously played in the Big Ten um, against elite type of defenses. Christian Watson is, you know, FCS, North Dakota State powerhouse nonetheless. But, um, you know, this guy tested so well at the Combine. And what he has on film uh, with North Dakota State, he's not, you know, facing tons of press coverage from these super elite athletes. Um, he, he's not running these versatile route trees. He's not, you know, um, he's just – a much better athlete than the guys across the field from him. And he was able to, to expose that. Um, but then he, you know, shows up at the combine. He's putting up these great numbers, right? So we, if he could put that together and get molded by an NFL coaching staff, and and I think he has the ability to run a more versatile route tree um, than what he's shown. So I, for me, give me Christian Watson and Daxon Hill, two very good athletes, one on either side of the ball um, that you can really create a superstar with. Yeah. The thing with Watson is it does seem like it's, like, how does that combination of athleticism and size, like, really, truly bust? I mean, yeah, could it could it not turn into wide receiver one? Of course. I mean, that's always a possibility. But, you know, I, I, one thing, I, I didn't want to, like, I don't want to, like, uh, I don't know. I, this shouldn't be a bad comparison. But, like, I, I was watching him, and it kind of popped in my head, like, you know, his floor could be, like, a Martavis Bryant, where, yeah, he might, like, you know, he could just be a tall, you know, really tall, really speedy vertical threat that, you know, is a big play a big play threat and, a, and obviously a important contributor to a good offense. Um, but I, I think he will be more than that, but it's just, it just occurred to me. Like I, you know, it, it's just hard for that combination of size and speed to fail. And if he does, it'll still probably be a contributing role. So Christian Watson is definitely an exciting name. He didn't follow to me. I definitely would have considered him a little stronger. I'm going to go through a few guys that I passed up on at 29 and 30. You might be mad at me, Talon. I, Daxon Hill was there. You know, Lewis Seen was there too. Like I, 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 I did have to struggle with that a little bit because I really like, I really like that first round safety or, you know, this, this top of the second round, I should take, cause it does seem like that's where they're going more. 
that top of the second round safety class. I, I really do like them, but at the same time, there's some safeties later. So I waited on them. You know, I mentioned I passed on Burks. Um, you know, uh, Jaquan Brisker is another one in that in that mention. But we're at pick 50 now. We're at pick 50. I'll let you go first this time. But it, was there anybody between pick 50 and, and 33 that uh, were, were noticeable that you passed up or that, uh, you know, maybe you're surprised that fell all the way to 50? Um, no. Um, <laughs> nobody really fell to 50 <laughs> that I was hoping for. Um, Tragic. So I was kind of put, yeah, right. I was kind of put in a tough spot. Uh, Sky Moore was still sitting there, but with Christian Watson um, in the house, I'm not, I'm not going to go back to back wide receiver that quickly. Um, Fair. I think there are other positions to touch on there, but so I had to reach. Um, and 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 I'll admit this is a reach. Uh, I I think 50 is a very rich spot for for Josh Pascal, and, but that's who I took. So yeah, so definitely a reach for Pascal at 50. But he's a guy that can provide a very – he's a power rusher. He's not a very – he's not a speed rusher. He's not a guy that's going to bend around the edge. Um, but he's very good at rushing from the interior, in which he was moved at, at Kentucky. Um, but very strong, a lot of functional strength. Um, and he has a little bit of twitch to him and a lot of a, l- a little bit of juice to where you don't really expect it from a guy of his size. Um, so for me, with, with just the way the board fell, I had to take a position of need for me. Josh Pascal fills the need. And, and I did address something a little bit later on that might, you know, make, make a little bit of sense with this tech. Yeah. That's the thing with edge, man. You really don't feel comfortable with how the chiefs are right now going much past pick 50 or pick 62 without addressing it. Um, it would almost be, it almost be, uh, you know, dang, you know, it is dangerous to do that with, with how the roster shaped up right now. They really need to get some sort of bodies in there. So yeah. in, in your scenario where you went safety receiver first round. Yeah. Grab an edge. You know, I, I do think Pascal's a name that doesn't get thrown a lot, around a lot, but I think it's cause he's not, he might not be the most exciting player, but that's not a bad thing. I, he, he played in the sec held up for a reason, super solid guy. You know, he just has a kind of a unique body type, you know, he's not the longest lengthiest dude, but he's definitely solid, definitely powerful. You know, I, I like the thought of him in the Steve Spagnuolo defense for sure. But with me for pick 50, you know, uh, like some of the safeties could have fell. You know, Brisker was a few picks away from me. George Pickens, a wide receiver from Georgia, was the pick before me. That would have been an interesting double up, getting George Pickens and Sky Moore um, right off the bat. They definitely complement each other's skill sets. But, you know, I went ahead and went with Jalen Petrie, the safety from Baylor. I like the thought of, you know, how he was utilized at Baylor, those kind of skills being used in the Chiefs defense right away, right? Uh, I think he could be a guy you insert immediately into the dime defense and he can make some plays for you, whether it's as a blitzer, just maybe in short coverage areas, maybe just, you know, easier man coverage roles, obviously not putting him on on an island against receivers or anything. But I think he could he could be a playmaker for you right away. And then maybe he develops into a, a strong safety type. Um, you know, that's uh, he really played close to the line of scrimmage. He's really more of a linebacker in college than he was a safety, but he's obviously safety build. And so that's why he's going to be a safety in the league. But yeah, he's, he's a guy that, you know, you hear sometimes maybe at, at pick 30, uh, you know, I think this was more realistic uh, pick what place for him to go. Uh, 